just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It is Friday. We're heading into yet another holiday weekend. Tomorrow is New Year's Eve, a big night for a lot of folks, but not this cowboy. I'm too fucking old for that. I haven't drank in 32 years. So my New Year's Eve is going to be pretty low-key, like it usually is. And I'm just fine with that. Sunday, we have New Year's Day, the first day of 2023. And then two days after that, the Republicans take control of the House of Representatives. whoop de fucking do Be careful what you ask for, because you just might get it. When they get control of the House of Representatives, it's going to be a shit show because on the 3rd, they got to vote for uh, Speaker of the House and they don't really have anybody. And if they don't have anybody, like I say, it's going to be a shit show. It's going to be an embarrassment, which shouldn't be be um, unusual for Trump LaFox because as of late, They've gone through a lot of embarrassments, a lot of the midterms in November. But it's going to be fun to watch nonetheless. Hey, did you hear about this guy, Andrew Tate? He's some influencer on the Internet, a former MMA fighter or whatever the fuck he is. He's got a lot of money. He's a misogynist. He's maybe a little racist. He's he's just an all-around douchebag and he's all over the internet even though he's been banned from several platforms he lives in Romania for some reason with his brother and they become very popular on the internet all the other misogynists love this guy well it seems yesterday he was arrested and taken into custody for something along the lines of sex trafficking now, everybody who's arrested in Romania, it's a lot like here in the United States, they are presumed innocent. But people are all upset about this. And you're probably wondering why I've never talked about Andrew Tate before. Because <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck about Andrew Tate, whether he's out of jail, in jail, or whatever. He's inconsequential. He's not a good person. I don't like the motherfucker. And if he's in jail, good for him. And that'll be the last time I talk about Andrew Tate. A couple of other things I wanted to bring up. You no doubt heard about uh, the death of Brazilian soccer player Pele. He died at 82. And it's a tragic thing. Now, I'm not a huge soccer fan. But I do know who Pele is. In fact, I had the honor of actually meeting Pele at one time. This was back in 1977. I was 17 years old. He was playing for the New York Cosmos. And he had come to town to play against our Minnesota Kicks, which obviously no longer exist. Now, you have to understand about the kicks back in those days. Soccer was not very popular. So most people in this town, when those soccer games happened, they would go to the soccer game, but very few people actually went into the fucking stadium, Met Stadium, to watch the game. What happened was there was such a big party in the parking lot, you would go there just for the party. <laughs> Oh, and there was some crazy shit. I remember seeing one guy running across the top of these portable biffies, you know, the bathrooms, the portable toilets. He's running across the top. He's dr drunk. And he gets to the last one, and it's kind of set apart from the rest of them. So he has to kind of leap. Well, he was drunk. He probably wasn't in the best shape. He didn't make the leap completely. But he made it far enough to catch his chin on the top of that biffy. He was thrown back, hit the other one, and fell to the ground in a heap. Now, I didn't know this guy. But um, if ever a motherfucker deserves something, 
It's that dumb motherfucker. Anyway, let's talk about Pele. I did have an opportunity to meet him because back in those days, even though I was 17 years old, I did a job called, well, I was a stringer. And what that meant is I got to go out to uh, press conferences for boxing, for football, for baseball, for soccer. And I always like to go out to the press conferences for the Minnesota Kicks. Because if you've ever been to a press conference, you know it's kind of a cool setting. But more importantly, they had a spread of food like you could not believe. And because I was a legitimate part of the press, I got to go to the press conference and ate like a motherfucker because the food was good. And that's the main reason I went. Occasionally, I would talk to some of the um, kick stars. There was a couple I can remember. Um, a guy named Alan Willie, um, an African uh, player who was awesome, Ace Netalenge. But on this particular press conference, the New York Cosmos had come to town. And I really wanted to go because Pele was playing for the Cosmos that year. I think he only played for them like two years. So anyway, he comes to town. I think I'm going to interview Pele. And it's cool. He's in a room. I'm in a room. A lot of people around him. I get to separate him out at one point and I start to interview him. But immediately <laughs> I realized there was going to be a problem. Because he really didn't speak much English, which makes it tough to interview a guy when he doesn't speak English. He had another guy that came up who was almost as famous as he was, and I wanted to meet him too. His name was Giorgio Canaglia, and he spoke a little English, so he kind of translated this thing. I talked to them both. It was a horrible interview. I don't think I even used the interview. But at that time, Pele was one of the, the greatest soccer player in the world. He was amazing. I think he was on three champion World Cup champion teams. And he was an amazing athlete. And unfortunately, he's passed away. But I feel honored to have had the chance to meet him, albeit that I didn't really get to interview him or that I really know that much about him or that I was that big a soccer fan. But he was famous, very famous in the world at the time. 82 years old, he passes away. It's a sad day in Brazil where he is from, but for the whole world of soccer. He was kind of the main guy over all these years. I also wanted to talk briefly about George Santos. I've talked about him a number of times because he kind of epitomizes the Republican Party. They do blatant, egregious stuff. They do it in front of your face, and then they tell you it didn't really happen. <laughs> it didn't really happen. How, how common is that for the Republicans? That's their whole strategy of trying to get elected. Well, he's got more problems. George Santos has more problems now because now he's being investigated by the state of New York, Letitia James on his ass, and now the feds as well. Because apparently there's some issues with how he got his money. I mean, here's a guy that last reported he was making $55,000 a year. He got evicted from his home, but then all of a sudden he has millions of dollars. And he loans his campaign $700,000. When there's a big shift in money, that usually suggests something fishy's going on. So now the state of New York is looking into it. The federal government's looking into it. And I'd be surprised if George Santos lasts three months in the House of Representatives. I wanted to update you on something, too. I think I told you this story yesterday. I know I talked about it on TikTok. I don't do a lot with YouTube. I've started to do a little bit more, but I don't do anything extra for YouTube. I'll do TikToks, and I'll put them on Facebook and Instagram, and I'll put them on YouTube just for the fuck of it. And after a little bit of time, I was surprised to see I got a number of followers. It was like 700, which I thought was unusual on YouTube. And I thought, how the fuck did that happen? 
So I kept doing it, and it kept kind of growing. I do a TikTok, I put it on Facebook, put it on Instagram, put it on YouTube, just to get a further reach. Well, I think I told you that I got a notification from YouTube, and they said they were taking down my video because I committed a violation. What it was, I didn't know. And they were very specific in saying, you've got one strike right now. You get three strikes and you're in trouble. You may never be able to post on YouTube again. And I sent them a letter saying, I don't know what the fuck I did here, but uh, if you just don't want me to post, I'm cool with that because YouTube really doesn't mean shit to me. So I got deeper into this thing. I was trying to see what they, what they called a violation. Now, this particular video was about George... Uh, uh, not George Santos. It was about the guy who attacked um, Paul Pelosi. But it tied into George Santos. It was The thing is, is that what I said was, um, this guy goes into court, this arraignment, and he pleads not guilty, which I thought was crazy because two cops watched him fucking do it. Now, some legal eagle told me, yeah, that's just what they do. They always say they're not guilty. That's the safe way to do it in the arraignment. But that's beside the point. What, what it told me is exactly how the Republicans are. Do something in plain view and then say it never happened like George Santos has done. He doesn't care that he's been caught lying. He's just embellished a little bit. So anyway, that is the video they took down. Now remember, this video showed up on TikTok, it's fine. Showed up on Facebook, it's fine. Showed up on Instagram, no problems. I put it on YouTube and they take it down. I'm trying to figure out how they took it down. So I looked at what the violation was. The violation was medical misinformation. That's weird. There was nothing medical about this video at all. And I was trying to figure it out. And I think I told you yesterday, I did think I figured it out. It was the title of the video. Given the story, I said, don't believe your lying eyes. <laughs> so apparently because I referenced eyes and something negative about the eyes, they perceive that as medical misinformation. Well, of course, I rebutted that, and I sent it back to uh, YouTube. I said, this is pretty fucking ridiculous. You didn't even watch the video, and you took the video down. You either put it up, or you don't have to suspend me. I'll just quit posting on YouTube. I don't give a fuck. Well, I got a notification from them yesterday, and they said, Yep, you're right. We watched the video. Nothing about medical misinformation. You're good to go. You have no strikes. Go for it. And, and, and I should be happy about that, right? But here's the thing. To other people, this might be a big deal. This might be their livelihood, you put them through that shit without knowing anything. You accuse somebody of doing something they couldn't possibly have done. And then when they refute it, you say, oh, oops, yep, you're right. What a fucking waste of time. That's not even right. You presumed, unlike, unlike uh, um, these other situations I was talking about, presuming people were innocent, you presume people are guilty. Now, I realize you're not the legal system, and it's a private company, and you can do what you want, and that's fine. But there's going to come a point when people are just going to say, fuck, this isn't worth my time. Now, granted, there's no possibility that YouTube's going to go under, especially if I quit posting on it. But it just shows how fucked up some of this social media is. All these people getting taken down on Facebook and on TikTok and all this stuff. That's going to cause a problem down the road. And this is why I'm glad I started the podcast, because I don't have to deal with those problems. I'll do the TikToks as long as I can do TikToks. 
but only as a means to an end. The more popular the TikToks get, the more followers I get, that means the more potential listeners I have to this podcast. And that is the reason I do it. YouTube, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. Clearly, I can do what I want now because they put the video back up, but I'm just fucking a little annoyed about that. Well, today's a big day. Today's the big day. Today is the day that the House Ways and Means Committee releases six years of former President Donald Trump's tax return information. Now, we know that Donald Trump didn't want anybody to see this, which is surprising because he said they're amazing, they're beautiful, they're big, but I was under audit. What we really find out, he wasn't under audit at all, and therein lies the problem because as a sitting president, there is a rule that says the IRS should audit a president and a vice president every year, but he was not. That sounds like a problem, right? Was the IRS just being lazy, or did Donald Trump influence the IRS away from auditing him? And I think the latter is probably true, which will probably be a problem for the IRS and a problem for Donald Trump. Now today, Trump's actual tax returns from 2015 to 2020 are set to be released after Democrats said they needed additional time to redact the documents and remove personal information. That's all they're really redacting is personal information. They're not redacting the important or compelling stuff, as typically is the case with any kind of government documents. Tax experts aren't expecting huge revelations from the raw returns, which are summarized in report from both the Democratic-Controlled Ways and Means Committee and the Nonpartisan Joint Committee on Taxation. But the more detailed documents could provide additional information on key areas of interest regarding Trump's business and his professional associations. The JCT report on Trump's taxes revealed that Trump was reporting huge losses every year, usually in the tens of millions of dollars. Is that the sign of a billionaire losing tens of millions of dollars every year? Well, it could be. You see, he was using those losses to offset his gains and reducing what he owed in taxes, and sometimes wiping out his tax liability altogether, as in 2020, he paid no taxes that year. So either he's making real losses, which is possible given the fact that he's a shitty businessman, or he's taking whatever gains he's made and trumping up the losses so he can offset the gains so he doesn't have to pay taxes. Now, technically speaking, that would be tax evasion, which just happens to be a little fucking illegal. So this is going to be interesting to see. The losses from 2015 to 2018 were actually just a piece of a larger $105 million loss, which was itself part of $700 million loss that was broken up and reported over different years. I lost $700 million, but don't worry, I'm still a billionaire. Yeah, I question that, and I hopefully these tax documents will reveal how much this clown is really making because he's reporting a lot of tax losses. Now, these broken-up losses are common accounting strategies for people in real estate development world who are allowed to report regular depreciation expenses as losses. In 2019, Trump reported positive income and paid taxes, but then reported he was again in the red in 2020, leading some experts to think that Trump's losses in that year go beyond strategic accounting and represent a genuinely ailing business. Trump's losses were not from uh, uh, operating losses. They were actually losses that were carried over from the year before, as in depreciation. 
Trump's 2020 losses were real, largely resulting from business losses he suffered at the start of the COVID pandemic. And that's why he paid zero taxes in 2020, said Stephen Rosenthal of the Urban Brookings Tax Policy Center. So he, he, he could have generally, genuinely lost money. More information on Trump's 2020 tax return could be a window into whether he got out of pay taxes that year due to common accounting practices or failing businesses. So that's what we need to find out. I would say it's probably a combination of both because, like I said, he's a horrible fucking businessman. Trump's foreign entanglements were one of the dominant narratives of this presidency, particularly the FBI investigation into his relationship with Russia. And that's something that really has to be looked at. If he's losing money on all these things, how does he stay above water? And it's presumed that he got some money from other countries like, say, Russia or Saudi Arabia. Now, as I've always said, there's only one bank in the world that would do business with Donald Trump, and that would be Deutsche Bank. But we also know Deutsche Bank got in trouble for money laundering for who? Russia. So it's conceivable that money could be coming from Russia to Deutsche Bank to Donald Trump. And that would be a way to kind of cover it. Now, you would presume there'd be some paper trail or something like that, but we'll see. Any foreign bank accounts cited in Trump's tax returns or payments made to foreign entities are sure to receive scrutiny and could provide further insight into Trump's relationships abroad. But you can expect they're going to try to cover that up as much as they could in those taxes. Now, Rosenthal said, I'm going to be looking for things like foreign ownership, foreign accounts, foreign ownership of Trump businesses, payments to foreigners. There's bound to be some items that might may yet pop out of the external reviewers that they missed. Well, we know he has uh, a club and a golf course in uh, Scotland. It'd be interesting to find out where he got that money. Now, um, there's a lot of interest in his relationship with Russia. They'll be looking for any kind of confirmation of what Donald Trump Jr. said in 2008, that Trump interests had received much of their money from Russian sources. Former CIA officer and Frank and journalist Frank Snepp said that in an interview. Obviously, we're not going to see in the tax returns a line that says Russian assets, but a forensic analyst would be well to advise to look into anything related to the emoluments clause. Remember, we heard about that while he was the president. And clearly, he had uh, committed some misdeeds with the emoluments clause. But of course, nothing happened because he was a sitting president and nobody's going to indict a sitting president. You know that old line, nobody's above the law. Well, I would say this. You can maybe say that nobody's above the law, With one qualification, clearly a president, not just Donald Trump, but any president is currently above the law with this rule that they won't indict sitting members or sitting presidents. And that's one thing that needs to be fucking changed. I don't care if it's Biden or Trump or whoever it is down the road. If they break a law, I don't care if they're president, they need to be held responsible. Now, Trump also oversaw some major changes of the status quo in the Middle East, including the Abraham Accords, whereby Israel normalized relations with several Arab nations. Everybody who's interested in whether or not he received any money from Saudi Arabia will be looking for indications of that kind of foreign input. Well, I can think about the $2 billion that the Saudi Arabians handed over to Jared Kushner, his son-in-law, I could maybe point to some real estate investments in the billions of dollars that Donald Trump is behind in Saudi Arabia. 
In addition to Trump's individual tax returns, Democrats on the Ways and Means Committee also obtained the returns for eight of Trump's businesses. While that's only a small subset of Trump's nearly 500 commercial entities, seeing which companies are most responsible for Trump's losses will provide a clearer picture of his tax avoidance and general business practices. The eight business returns fall into three categories encompassing trademark LLCs, golf club businesses, and two high-level holding companies. Those two upper-tier entities sit at the top of Trump's LLC empire. The numbers all roll into those, and I'd like to see some aggregate numbers there, Rosenzal said. According to the JCT report, an IRS agent assigned by Trump's 2018 business returns noted numerous suspicious losses claimed by Trump on his tax returns. Donald Trump's got some splaining to do. We know Donald Trump is not an honest man. We know he's a pathological liar. We know that while he may have made some money, he kind of ginned up some losses to offset those gains. Or it's possible that he's just a horrible businessman, which he is, and he just lost money. Either way, one's a crime and one exposes Donald Trump for who he truly is. He's not a billionaire. He's not a successful businessman. And um, that was his his trade in terms of building his his brand. I mean, that may be part of the reason why he got elected president, because people thought, oh, he's a big businessman. And everybody used to say, well, if we just had a businessman running this country, things would be better. Well, we've had a businessman running this country. It didn't get better. It got a whole fucking lot worse. And thank God he's gone because finally things look like they're fucking improving. These taxes are going to be very interesting. I like it for no other reason than Donald Trump is dead set against releasing these taxes. Here's another shot where Donald Trump thought he had ultimate power, that he could shut anything down, he could run the clock on anything, and on this particular instance, he did not. In fact, he may have fucked himself because he tried to run the clock on this thing. Now, instead of doing the investigations and doing the whole congressional thing, they said, fuck it, let's just put it out there and let the chips fall where they may. Let people decide for themselves. Let the media tear it apart. And you can bet that that's exactly what will happen. The media will go into this in depth. The IRS will be looking at it, Um, which sounds weird because you would think they had the taxes. They should have been looking into it. But clearly they weren't. Clearly, there is a problem in this country with the IRS. Now, if you and I cheat on our taxes, they'll be in our shit so fast. But rich people seem to get a pass. Donald Trump got a big pass when the IRS went against the rules and didn't audit his taxes every year while he was president. They didn't audit Mike Pence's either. Now, Mike Pence is too wimpy and too stupid to do anything crazy. He's not claiming he's a rich guy, and I doubt he's that wealthy. Donald Trump's a little different situation. He's not smart either. He's a stupid motherfucker, make no mistake about it. But he's also a criminal motherfucker, and he's smart enough to hire other people that are smart criminals. And somehow he convinces them to do these egregious acts, these blatant tax frauds, And think they can get away with it. The sad thing is, for 30 years, minimum, he has gotten away with it. Well, why is that? Well, it's because rich people have a different set of rules than you and I do. And over and above all the crimes that Donald committed, this should be a red flag to us to say, let's look at the IRS. 
Why does this happen? Way before Donald Trump was ever president, he was getting away with shit. Why is that? I've said this before and I'll say it again. If we simply shored up and got the money out of the tax cheats, we would maybe not have to raise taxes on the middle class. There's a lot of money that's uh, being held back from the U.S. government because either people's loopholes or just flat-out cheating and tax fraud. Clearly, we have a problem with the IRS at this point, so we need to do something to fix this. We need to make Donald Trump an example, expose all the things he's doing, because I'll guarantee you there are probably a thousand other people like Donald Trump doing the very same thing and getting away with it. It's tiresome. It's sad. And it's a sad commentary on this country and our government. People always say, well, our government works. Yeah, well, it seems to work mostly for the wealthy, And it works against those of us that are not wealthy, that are the middle class. And that needs to stop. We need to figure a way out. After we can dispose of Donald Trump, we've got to look deep into the problems that are in our government, specifically the IRS, and make sure everybody's paying everything they owe. See, that's the ironic thing about these wealthy people. It's not enough that they can cheat on their taxes. They now also have to get $2 trillion in a tax break from Donald Trump. These are some greedy motherfuckers. They're gouging people with prices. Their profits are going up. And they get away with it. That shit's got to stop. If we want this country to run the way it's supposed to run, that shit needs to stop. All right, we'll be back. We'll just take a quick break, and we will be right back. Well, we know the J6 committee has released their report, 845 pages and all the accompanying evidence. It's taking some time for people to go through everything, but we keep getting new bits of information every day, just like I expected. The House Select Committee investigating the J-6 attack on the U.S. Capitol released even more transcripts Thursday from conversations with people in Donald Trump's orbit, including those with his eldest son, (laughs) former White House aides and the former president's personal lawyers. Now, among the 19 new transcripts published to the committee's website were conversations with Donald Trump Jr. That in itself should be an entire SNL episode. Donald Trump Jr. is such a fucking goofball, such a douchebag, and a bit of a cokehead or a meth head. I can't really tell for sure, but he's definitely tweaking every time he does a video. It also involves his fiance, Kimberly Guilfoyle. Now, What's weird about Kimberly Guilfoyle, she's a scary-looking bitch. And I'm not appearance-shaming her. I'm just saying she's scary. But what's even weirder about Kimberly Guilfoyle, at one time she was married to Gavin Newsom, the Democratic governor of California. Seemingly a normal guy. I mean, you got to give him respect for at least divorcing her. But what in the fucking world was he thinking marrying her in the first place? Also in these transcripts from their depositions include Donald Trump's personal lawyer, Christina Bob. Now, you remember Christina Bob. She got herself in a little bit of trouble. She was the lawyer that signed off on a document, a, an affidavit, a sworn affidavit, that there was no more top-secret documents in Mar-a-Lago. And then shortly after that, the FBI comes in, and surprise, surprise, they find more top-secret documents. That didn't play well for her. I think she's got out from underneath that. Her partner, I think his name is Corcoran, is the one that drafted the document and then told her she needs to sign it. And like a fucking idiot, she did. I think Corcoran's got more of a problem than Christina Bob. And frankly, I think Christina Bob has uh, 
thrown Donald under the bus. She wants to protect her ass. She's a relatively young woman with a future. I can't imagine why she'd want to throw it away for the orange baboon, Donald fucking Trump. But also in these transcripts was Stephen Miller. Now, if there was a contest for the creepiest motherfucker on earth, he would be the winner. There was no question about it. He's a relatively young guy, I think mid-30s. He thinks he's ultra smart. He's clearly not. But he's a racist, a misogynist, an anti-Semite. And he had Donald Trump's ear. I suspect most of what Donald Trump said first came out of the mouth of Stephen Miller. The panel has now released more than 100 witnesses' interviews, but that's just a small fraction because we're talking like 1,200 people they deposed. So we've got 100 witnesses with the transcripts released. Donald Trump's possible role in last year's insurrection and his efforts to subvert the 2020 election was the topic at hand. Moreover, the transcripts are supplementary to the committee's 845-page final report released earlier this month, right after referring criminal charges against Donald Trump to the Department of Justice. And every day we've got more and more shit coming out about this, and this will be a daily thing for forever, basically, because there's just so much evidence. Now, in one excerpt from the committee's interview with Donald Trump Jr. I don't know how they got him to uh, speak coherently because he has trouble with that. He went into more detail about a text he sent to then Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, another man that's either (laughs) thrown Donald Trump under the bus or is in some serious fucking trouble, but he was asking him to pressure his father to speak out against the violence underway at the Capitol. Donald Trump Jr. confirmed that he sent those texts, but added, It doesn't sound like me. I imagine I cut and pasted it from somewhere. (laughs) I said it, but I didn't really say it. Somebody else said it. That sounds like a Trump, doesn't it? Now, when asked why he didn't reach out to Donald Trump directly, he responded that his father doesn't text. In another transcript... Uh, Lawyer Bob recounted a conversation between Donald Trump's attorney, Rudy Giuliani, and Senator Lindsey Graham, in which the latter made some troubling comments about proving voter fraud. (laughs) This is what Lindsey Graham said. He said, just give me five dead voters. Give me, you know, an example of illegals voting. Just give me a very small snapshot that I can take and champion. Well, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? His Lord and Savior is the same guy that said to the DOJ, just say there's election fraud and I'll run with it. My people will run with it. The Republicans in Congress will run with it. (laughs) Lindsey Graham doing the same thing. Bob recalled Graham saying it at a meeting four days before the Capitol riot took place. Now, Part of this might be frustration for Lindsey Graham because he's quickly finding out that there's all these claims and all these accusations, but little or no evidence. Well, I'll just say no fucking evidence. So I'm sure Lindsey Graham's going, you got to give me something here. You got to give me something that I can scream about. But it's ironic that he would ask for just five dead voters. So he had something to talk about. This transcript from the interviews with former White House Press Secretary Stephanie Grisham, who you now see on TV a lot speaking out against Donald Trump, which is probably a wise idea for her. She got away a little earlier than everybody else, and now she's speaking out against him, and maybe she can rehabilitate her image. But her transcripts give more insight into Donald Trump's thoughts on January 6th. According to her, several people heard Donald Trump say while watching the chaos unfold on the news. You remember, he was sitting in his dining room or his kitchen or some fucking thing, having a Big Mac or nine. And um, he said the rioters looked very trashy, but he liked the fight they were putting up. And this is something we've always said. 
if these people who love Donald Trump so much really knew what he thought about them, they might rethink their position. But Donald Trump doesn't care. As long as you're fighting for him, he will uh, talk to you nicely, even though he thinks you're kind of trashy. So you trump out there that love Donald Trump, know he thinks you're trashy. Transcripts of the committee's interview with Guilfoyle, the ex-Fox News host engaged to Donald Trump, revealed she did not understand the ramifications or what the significance was on the electoral vote counting going on inside the Capitol during the riot. She also made a racist remark when the committee asked her if she was familiar with Ali Akbar, another name for Stop the Steal organizer, Ali Alexander. Isn't that what terrorists yell, she asked, referring to his name? When the investigators corrected her, she responded, No, I think it is before saying, I do not know anyone named Allah Akbar. (laughs) So this woman, who was married to a future governor, who was engaged to Donald Trump's son, who worked on Fox News, has the audacity to say, yeah, I didn't really know what's going on. I had uh, no idea it would be that serious. Yeah, right, Kimberly. We know exactly what you were thinking. You were thinking you could gain power by dating this fuck-up son of a fuck-up president, and you wanted to parlay it for all it was worth. How's that working for you now, Kimmy? So, let's talk about some good news. We know about this $1.7 trillion spending bill. We know the Senate passed it with 18 Republican votes, and this pissed off the Republicans in the House. And, of course, currently, at this moment in time, the Democrats have the majority in the House. So it went to the Senate. It passed pissed off the Republicans in the House, but it passed in the House, as we suspected, and then it went to Joe Biden to sign. And Thursday, sign he did, the $1.7 trillion spending bill that will keep the federal government operating through the end of the federal budget year in September 2023 and provide tens of billions of dollars in new aid to Ukraine for its fight against the Russian military. Now, the reason it pissed off the Republicans is twofold. First of all, they don't want to give any money to Ukraine. America first! They can't see the big picture, that you can't let Russia win this fucking war. That was the number one thing. The other thing is, they wanted the country, the government, to shut down. Because then they could start complaining and start making cuts. And one of the cuts they were looking at is our entitlements, as they call it. I'm talking about Medicare and Social Security and other, other programs like that. Well, once again, the Republicans failed. They couldn't stop it. And Joe Biden signs yet another big spending bill. And he has had a huge two years as far as his success with legislation. In fact, he is considered the most successful president in history, legislatively, in his first two years of office. Now, Biden had until late Friday to sign the bill to avoid a partial government shutdown. But he did it yesterday. The Democratic-controlled House passed the bill, 225 to 201. It was mostly along party lines, and it was just before Christmas. Now, why was it just before Christmas? Because everybody was so fervent about it and passionate about it? No, they needed to get it done before they all went on a two-week fucking vacation. That's why. And that's Democrats, too. The House vote came a day after the Senate, also led by Democrats, who voted 68 to 29 to pass the bill with significantly more Republican support. Biden had said passage was proof that the Republicans and Democrats can work together. And this is something I've said all along, too. 
not all Republicans, but many Republicans really have no choice but to work with the Democrats. Because if they don't work with the Democrats, now they're going to be affiliated with the MAGA party, and nobody wants to be in that party anymore because it's not the cool thing to be anymore. They're trying to separate themselves from Donald Trump and the MAGA party. So if they work against the Democrats, well, then they have to be perceived as part of MAGA, and nobody wants that. Nobody with an above-average intelligence, I should say. So we got the $1.7 trillion funding bill passed. The country will stay open, and Ukraine will get some money. Now, Representative Kevin McCarthy, the House Republican leader who hopes to become the speaker when a new session in Congress opens, not that far away. I'm thinking it's going to be Tuesday of next week, so just a few days. He argued during floor debate that the bill spends too much and does too little to curb illegal immigration and the flow of fentanyl into the U.S. from Mexico. Well, we know fentanyl doesn't come completely from Mexico. It comes in other ways. He is just arguing for the sake of arguing. But, you know, I'll give Kevin Kevin McCarthy credit here. When he was giving his pitch against this bill, He used a four-syllable word, which is quite good for Kevin McCarthy. He said, this is a monstrosity that is one of the most shameful acts I've ever seen in this body, McCarthy said of the legislation. McCarthy is appealing for support from staunch conservatives in the GOP caucus who have largely blasted the bill for its size and scope. Now, here's the ironic thing. When Donald Trump and the Republicans gave rich people a tax credit of $2 trillion. Were these guys screaming then? It really did no good but put money in the pockets of rich people. They gave it to them in perpetuity, and the little tax break they gave us had a sundown clause, meaning that shit's already over, and now our taxes are going up. They don't like the idea of keeping the country open, the government open. They don't like the idea of helping <laughs> helping uh, Ukraine. But they always go to their buzzwords. What about illegal immigration? What about fentanyl? Well, clearly they don't know what they're fucking talking about. McCarthy is basically appealing for support from staunch conservatives in the GOP caucus. Now, I would say the term staunch conservatives is an outdated label for these people. I think my label fits better. You know, I'm a little biased, but I do think it's better. Instead of staunch conservatives, let's call them who they are. They are Trumplafucks. Now, Republicans will have a narrow House majority come January 3rd, and several conservative members have vowed not to vote for McCarthy to become Speaker. The funding bill includes roughly 6% increase in spending for domestic initiatives to $772.5 billion. Spending on defense programs will increase by about 10% to $858 billion. Now, that's another thing. We spend more money on the military than anyone in the world. Actually, anyone than the closest 8 to 10 countries in the world. Why do we spend that much money? It's not necessary. And in order to get this bill passed with the Republican support, the Democrats had to agree to increase the, 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 the defense budget by 10%. So that's how the Democrats got it passed. They had to give some to the Republicans. And frankly, that's how Congress should work. There should be some horse trading. You want this? I'll give it to you, but you got to give me this. At least something gets done. 
when the Republicans were in office prior to the midterms, they wanted nothing done. They had no platform. They had no plans to do anything. They wanted to sit and tread water, sit in their seats with their thumbs up their asses and do nothing. But with this spending bill and with the, uh, the uh, marriage, same-sex marriage rights bill, we are seeing some Republicans coming to the Democratic side to work with them, which is how Congress is supposed to work. And it is because they realized, it took a while, but they realized in the midterms that the MAGAs, Donald Trump, and all their crazy fucking ideas are a loser. That's why they lost in the midterms. So now they've got to come out with something different. They've got to re remanufacture the Republican Party. But it's going to be hard to do because they're still divided. And as long as they're divided, they are weak. And as far as I'm concerned, the longer they stay divided, the better for the Democrats and the better for this country. Now, lawmakers had approved two short-term spending measures to keep the government operating and a third funding the government through December 30th. They passed that last Friday. Biden signed it to ensure services would continue. So they put on some Band-Aids for a while just to keep the government open. And the Republicans were willing to do that. And again, in this big funding bill that's passed that will keep us good until September of next year, like I said, they're giving $45 billion to Ukraine and NATO allies more than even Biden had requested an acknowledgement that the future rounds of funding are not guaranteed when Republicans take control of the House next week. And that's true. Unless some Republicans that don't want to be associated with MAGA decide, yeah, we better do something. And again, the fact that they gave more money to Ukraine than even Joe Biden asked for, that kind of aligns with the horse trading thing that I was talking about earlier. The Democrats wanted to pass this bill. The Republicans go, yeah, we'll help you pass the bill, but you got to add 10% to the defense budget. And then they probably said, okay, we'll give you 10% on the defense budget, but you better give us $45 billion instead of whatever Joe Biden wanted. And that's how they work this whole thing out. It's uh, pork, if you will. But in terms of Ukraine, I think it was well-founded that they gave more money because they're absolutely right. With even a slight margin in the House of Representatives going to the Republican, it's unlikely. It's unlikely, but not impossible, that they will be able to vote on getting more money to Ukraine. I'm not going to say it's impossible because the MAGA people will be against it, but the people of a more normal mind in the Republican Party may think twice about it because, again, everything MAGA does is a fucking loser. These other Republicans, the more moderate Republicans, are likely to think, i got to stay away from them as much as possible, so I better do something with this. Now, here's a great story. We all fucking hate Fox News. We all hate Tucker Carlson. But we hate Sean Hannity just as much. And Sean Hannity has a problem because a transcript of one of his depositions with uh, Dominion in their lawsuit against Fox News stated that Sean Hannity said that never for a moment did he believe in this election fraud. Well, you can imagine that the trump are not happy about this at all. Right-wing attorney Lynn Wood, who's a fucking nutcase, and my, my pillow CEO Mike Lindell, who have been feuding with one another, are speaking out against Fox News hosts, 
and his admission that he doesn't believe the 2020 election was stolen from Donald Trump and Steve Bannon, right-wing radio host Stu Peters, and reportedly even the former president himself have soured on Hannity, reported the Daily Beast. Now, this is interesting because nobody likes Sean Hannity but the MAGA folks, but now the MAGA folks hate him. He's finding himself in a similar position as Mike Pence. Mike Pence wants to run for the presidency, but he's got a problem. All the MAGA people hate him, and no Democrat would vote for him. Same goes for Sean Hannity. The MAGA people now hate him. Democrats don't want to hear from him. And all of a sudden, his value has dropped like Tesla stock, quick, fast, and in a hurry. Lindell told a website, Sean Hannity is disgusting. He's a terrible journalist. Now, see, there's where you're wrong, Mike. He's not a journalist at all, never was a journalist. He's an entertainer. And how do I know this? Because whenever he's been sued, he said as much. <laughs> Mike Lindell goes on to say, that uh, he does not do his job or his diligence on election crime. He doesn't seem to have any concern over any election problems in this country, and it's disgusting. (laughs) You know what's really disgusting? Is some guy who sells fucking pillows for a living has any input in politics in this country. Never mind the fact that Mike Lindell is a former crack addict, and a conspiracy theorist, and a fucking nutcase. Now, that, to me, is also a little disgusting. Now, Lynn Wood, who said he'd known Hannity since 96 and considered him a friend, showed the Daily Beast screenshots from a text conversation they had where Hannity agreed the election had been stolen, but the Fox News star admitted in a deposition from the the Dominion Voting System's defamation lawsuit that he never believed for one second that there was any election fraud. Then Bannon, a right-wing influencer, uh, Jack Posobiec, I don't even know who the fuck that is, have taken shots at Hannity in the past week comparing him to CNN host Don Lemon. No, Don is a professional. I don't necessarily always like him. But you can't compare Sean Hannity to Don Lemon. There is no comparison. And they were complaining about his terrible advice to Trump. While Peters called him a clown and Trump superfan Bill Mitchell said his deposition should end his career. It's interesting what they said. They said about the terrible advice he gave to Trump. That's one of the things that's most disconcerting about the Trump presidency. It was like the folks at Fox News, specifically Sean Hannity, were kind of presidential advisors. He'd watch what they'd say on TV. He'd talk to them on a phone. They'd give them, they'd give him some advice and the dumb fucker would use it. Hannity was his lapdog for years, said one Trump advisor. But just like everyone else who's been Trump's bitch at one point or another, the second Trump finds a reason to throw him in the garbage, he takes it. And that's true about Donald Trump. You speak, you speak badly of Donald Trump and you're dead to him. Not only dead to him, but you will talk shit about them forever. Now, Trump world sources told the Daily Beast that former president was upset with Hannity for pushing him to endorse uh, Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania's Senate race rather than blame his wife for making the same recommendation. (laughs) Dr. Oz lost, not because of uh, Sean Hannity, maybe not even because of Donald Trump. While the association didn't help him much, Dr. Oz is a greasy motherfucker. I mean, this guy, we don't even know if he's uh, a citizen of this country. Uh, He doesn't live in Pennsylvania. He's a fucking carpetbagger. There are a number of reasons why he lost that race. Trump, Hannity may have been part of it, but there's so much more reason not to vote for Dr. Oz and a lot of people, not enough people, voted for Dr. Haas.
Now, Hannity gets the blame for odds because it's more convenient than blaming Melania, who also recommended him. And now he's been shown to be disloyal under oath, so it's Hannity's turn to get tossed overboard, said a Trump advisor. Which will be interesting. Once he's no longer in Trump's pocket, where does he go? Is he going to go to MSNBC? Or is he going to go to CNN? I mean, Fox News may very well be in trouble as a company. As successful as they are, if they lose this lawsuit to Dominion for $1.6 billion, it won't probably bankrupt them. But it's not going to keep them very healthy. Apparently, Trump hasn't talked to Hannity for some time, sources said, and his relationship is apparently soured with another influential Fox News host. <laughs> Tucker Carlson isn't open about his hostility to Trump, but anyone who's paying attention knows he's not a fan either. Trump is never on the show and rarely gets discussed. Tucker thinks Trump has a lot of right enemies, but that's about it. Well, we know why Tucker and Sean Hannity are kind of stepping back from Donald Trump, because he's losing a grip on the right, on the Republican Party. He's going to be exposed as a criminal. You don't want to be anywhere near these guys. And as I've often said, these fucking people have no loyalty. Least of all, Donald Trump. Once you become a liability and no longer an asset, you're fucking gone. They will tell you that they love you, but once you don't make them money or give them power, you're pretty much fucking done. And that's pretty much what happened. All right, so we'll wrap things up here with a story about Kevin McCarthy because it's eminent. We talked about him a little earlier, but this is more specific to him. GOP leader Kevin McCarthy opponents have so far shown no sign of giving in, and their intransigence could soon prove costly for Republican congressional staffers. This isn't a story you hear a lot, but this is, could cause some serious problems for the Republicans in the House of Representatives. Politico reports that guidance sent out to committees in the House of Representatives this week lays out a dire situation for GOP staffers, the underlings that do all the work, if the fight for over the speakership is not resolved by January 13th. Now, they're going to start this process on January 3rd. Typically, it, it's done in one vote, and it's never an issue. But this time, it may be different. But this time, if it goes past January 13th, the GOP staffers are going to, get quit, are going to quit getting paid. They're going to lose their benefits. And that's not going to sit well with the staffers. Yet another thing that's going to create a shit show in the Republican Party, specifically in the House of Representatives. Now, in the memo, committees, the memo said committees need to be aware that should a House rules package not be adopted by the end of business on January 13th, no committee will be able to process payroll since the committee's authority for the new Congress is not yet confirmed. What's more, the memo said that if the House has not passed a rules package by January 13th, it could disrupt staffers' access to a 10-year student loan forgiveness program that could also impact their ability to qualify for loan forgiveness. Interesting. If you're a staffer in Congress, in the House of Representatives, you get a 10-year student loan forgiveness program. That's part of the deal for their staffers. Why are these people so against giving everybody else forgiveness on their loans? See, that's how the government works. They get all the perks, and you get shit on. So McCarthy's facing a pretty serious challenge in trying to become House Speaker. 
as he can only afford to lose four Republican votes and already has five Republicans who have come out as hard no's against him. The first vote for the speakership is uh, next Tuesday on January 3rd. It ain't looking good. And if not him, who? Well, there isn't anybody else that can get 218 votes. Somebody suggested Steve Scalise, but he's a Trump-humping piece of shit, too, and I can't imagine any of the reasonable-minded Republicans voting for him. One more story. Former President Donald Trump appeared to wink and nod at a third-party run in 2024 by sharing on his true social an article arguing for the GOP to split in half. Yeah, I'm all for that. Let's split those motherfuckers down the middle because then no Republican will ever win an election, at least for the presidency. Trump shared the article titled The Coming Split without comment on Wednesday night, but many pundits and observers were quick to take notice as Trump remains the ostensible leader of the Republican Party. That's not going to last very long. He knows that, so he figures he'll, he'll splinter off his group to think he's their Lord and Savior, and then he can at least still be the leader of that little fucking rogue group. The article published in the right-wing pro-Trump website American Greatness argues, what should we do when a majority of Republicans want Trump, but the Republican Party says we can't have him? The article was by a guy named Dan Galertner. Don't know who he is. He leans in heavily on the debunked allegations that the 2020 presidential election was stolen and hypes conspiratorial um, language are alleging that a deep state stole the presidency from the Trump who the author seems to believe is universally adored. Now I question that the majority of the Republicans love Donald Trump. I don't see that happening. I do see Donald Trump getting to 2024 if he gets there and I don't believe he will. I think he will be precluded from running for president in any party, let alone the Republicans, because I think the legal ramifications he's facing is going to stop that. But if he does decide to run as a third-party candidate, that is a fucking nightmare for the Republicans. Because that means the Republicans can't even compete in 2024. you got some voting MAGA, some voting Republican, and all the Democrats voting in unity against them. That's almost a sure win for the Democrats. Not almost, it's definitely a sure win. I mean, as it is, Republicans have fewer voters than Democrats. They try to get by with gerrymandering and all that shit, but that doesn't come into play when it comes to the presidential election. Gerrymandering doesn't really matter there. The Electoral College is a problem, but if they're split the party down the middle or even two-thirds to one-third, they're fucked. They can't even come close in the election. So let's all keep our fingers crossed that, in fact, they do split, that Donald Trump starts his own little bull moose party or bullshit party, because that will be the demise of the Republicans, and it's about goddamn time. All right, we are going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen. I hope you have a great day. Let's see what comes out with the taxes, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.